Good morning, Greenwich. Today is Saturday. It's July 18. Uh, thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to reflect with me on a psalm and to spend a few minutes reflecting uh, on salvation as we've been studying it this week. I pray that uh, this week's studies and reflections have been helpful and hopefully clarifying. And uh, today we'll talk a little bit more about how uh, this can impact uh, each of our lives personally. Uh, let me go ahead and begin with our morning psalm. This is Psalm 138. It's a psalm of David. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. And that's Psalm 138. It's a simple psalm of praise. David's heart moved to uh, remember God, to, to exalt God, to praise him for God's love and God's faithfulness, uh, for God's name and God's word. And then when David called, there was a response. God, God sent his spirit to make him bold and, and stout-hearted. Uh, we've been talking about salvation this week, and so this this uh, language, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. With your right hand, you save me. And so we've been talking about salvation, what it is and what it isn't. And so salvation is the action of God. It's not something we do. It is something God does. God acts to rescue Okay, so that's that language. I'm in the midst of trouble. Preserve my life. Stretch out your hands. Save me. And so the action of God to rescue, that's the, the primary meaning for the Old Testament word, yasha, uh, to save or salvation. But there's also this nuance of meaning in the New Testament word, soteria, to heal, to restore. And so there's a mending, healing, restoring uh, side to this as well. So it's rescuing us from our enemy, healing us in a comprehensive way, okay? And so I've tried to labor with all of the various images that we have of salvation in Scripture. It's not just one of these. It's, it's, the, it's the set of these. The different images are speaking to different aspects of the human condition, the human family, the human relationship, the human personality. And so there's... there's um, agricultural metaphors, you know, bearing fruit. Uh, there's courtroom metaphors. Uh, there, there's the birth, new birth uh, images. Uh, 
um, and so it's this comprehensive set of ways of thinking, oh, salvation is the action of God to restore us from whence we have fallen. And so that's why that backstory of Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the good creation being made in God's image with all of the blessedness. But, but so much of that is lost. So in, in the fall, in Genesis chapter 3, something happens. And so the image of God in us gets twisted and distorted. It's still there. We don't lose the image. But then it gets um, misshapen, I guess, if that's how it is. And so the autonomy... Uh, the alienation, the sense of avoidance, the, the, the way sin affects us, affects our relationships, affects our bodies, except affects our minds, our spirits. And so salvation is restoring all of that. And so putting us back together, kind of the Humpty Dumpty <laughs> had a great fall. And so God is putting us back together. And so salvation we have been saved at the cross. We were justified. We were made right. Uh, Christ pays the penalty for, for our sin, and so we're, we're made in alignment. So we, we have been saved. We are being saved. We're being sanctified. The ongoing process of, of transformation, the Spirit working in us and through us to make us more like Christ, and then we will be saved. One day, we will be fully like Christ. We will be, be restored completely. And so salvation from our enemy unto a, a, a restored image of God where we then are his servants uh, joyfully, uh, gladly, not resisting him, um, uh, and so on. And so, so this is salvation. And so what, what I, just, it would be, I would be remiss if I did not talk about how do you get in on this? <laughs> um, I love every once in a while I'll, I'll, I'll see these little internet images when somebody will have a, have, you know, showing you the, the, the meal that they've made or they're eating. And then next to it will be a little meme. Get in my belly. It's like, how do I get all this goodness inside of me? And so, you know, from a, from a culinary standpoint, you know, we laugh about that. And I, and I found myself thinking, how do I get all this goodness, all this salvation, all this blessedness that the scripture uh, writes about? How do I get that thing in me? I want in on that. Now, I realize those of us who are, who are engaging in this, myself and yourself as you listen, we're probably in it already, okay? Um, but I explain this, one, for the possibility that somebody watches this who's never heard this stuff before, and how do I get saved? How, how do I get this salvation of God in me? Okay, So that's what the people said in Pentecost. What must we do to be saved? It's the right answer. It's the right, right question uh, to, to Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And so I just want to talk briefly about that. Okay, And we're going to continue with this salvation theme next week. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ's role in our salvation. Uh, it, it's important. So we'll, we'll have a chance to revisit this. And so <clears throat> the key to getting in on salvation, there, there's two words, repent. should have taken my little red, meant to take my red pen. Repent and believe. There's different ways of saying it in the Bible, but 
but essentially this is what it is. At Pentecost, repent and believe. Jesus comes preaching, the kingdom is at hand, repent. And so what does repent mean? And I want to put four words next to it, and, and it's, it's these words working together. The basic meaning of repent actually means to rethink. It's rethinking your life. To repent is to go, hmm, I did this, maybe I shouldn't have done that, or God, God says this, and I was thinking that. And so repentance initially is a cognitive process, okay? We're, we're rethinking our lives, our actions, our words. We're rethinking who we think God is or thought God was. God's not against you. God's for you. And so there's a whole set of, of thoughts to, to engage in, a cognitive work or exercise to engage in. I hope that doesn't sound too crazy. It's rethinking. And then in the rethinking, there's regret. The, the, the meaning of regret is uh, to, to, to weep, to groan, and, and so it comes from a French word, if I, if I read it correctly. And so we're rethinking, we're regretting, we're, we're going, oh, God. And we know how that happens, right? You think, oh, I cannot believe I did that. How in the world was I thinking this was something good to do? That inward sense of just aching, groaning. It's like, ah. Oh. And so to rethink, regret, and then renounce. I don't want to do that anymore. I renounce that way of life. I renounce that action. I renounce that thing. And so, uh, there's an old baptismal formula in, in the baptismal um, liturgy where you renounce the devil and all of his works. And, and it's, it's strong. I, I have never used that. I, I probably should. Now I get kind of working this through. I'm going, I think that should be the baptismal formula that, that I use. And so the baptismal liturgy. To renounce. I renounce. So when somebody like renounces citizenship, you know, we think, whoa, wow, that's serious. They, they, they publicly declare, I am no longer a citizen of that country. And so I renounce uh, allegiance. So I, my understanding is when folks... Uh, are naturalized citizens, they have to renounce allegiance to any other nation. <laughs> and so, so it's renouncing. I renounce my sin. I renounce that old way of life. I renounce uh, the enemy of the devil. <clears throat> so rethink, regret, renounce, return. And so repentance has this notion of turning back. So the prodigal son, that story gives us a wonderful picture he ran away, <clears throat> took the inheritance, squandered it, is now living out there feeding the pigs, which is a very strong image, again, in a Jewish context for him to be feeding the pigs, right, and, and, and slopping amongst uh, the, that, that which was so, so offensive to the Jews. He came to his senses. He thought, gee, even the servants in my father's house have it better than me. He rethought, rethought this. He regret, he renounced, he turned away from that life and he returned home. And so it's this beautiful picture of what repentance is. To rethink, to regret, that is to, to feel the emotional weight of, of the behavior that is, that is wrong, that is offensive. 
<clears throat> to renounce it, to return. So it has something, we have to confront our own participation in sin. No playing victims here. We're all perpetrators, okay? Sin <clears throat> makes us want to play the victim, to act as if we are the victim, but we're perpetrators, okay? We have taken the fruit unto ourselves. We have made an autonomous break from God. Uh, we have hidden ourselves in the bushes. We have uh, sown the fig leaves. We have pointed the finger at other people to try to explain our lives away, all the things that Adam uh, and Eve did. And so it's confronting my own participation in sin. I have done this. I have sinned. It's not just that we have sinned. I, I need to feel the weight of that. I have sinned. And then confront our own inability to fix ourselves. I cannot save myself. In our pride, we think we can. We can just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we'll, we'll show God how strong we are. And it's a, one of the effects of sin is thinking that we have to do something in order to save ourselves. That is, we have to live up to certain kinds of standards. We cannot. We cannot live up to the law of God. We cannot fully please God. We cannot, uh, the, our actions alone are inadequate in order to save ourselves or to be in right relationship. And so it's confronting all that. So repentance is all of this and, and a lot more, but, but, but I think this is a fair summary. And so how do we get in on the salvation? We have to confront the, the reality of what we need to be saved from. Our enemy is not an external enemy. It's not a political enemy. It's not the Romans, okay? You know, like, like in the time of Jesus. They thought, if we can just get the Romans out of here, Messiah will deliver us from the Roman occupation and we'll be free, we'll be saved. No, our real enemy, we have met the enemy and he is us. And so, sin is our enemy and the chains that it binds us with. And so, so it's confronting all of that and then... Repent and believe. Now here's the part that, that's easy to explain, hard to get, hard to grasp, I guess I would say it this way. To believe is to take God at his word. It's that simple. Repent and believe. Take God at his word. Now, what's important, if we've repented well... <laughs> and we know the story, we get the backstory well, you remember Adam did not take God at his word, right? God said, Adam, you are free to eat of any tree in the garden. But there was one tree God commanded him not to eat. You may, you must not eat the fruit of this tree, for if you eat it, you will die. If Adam had taken God at his word, then he would have freely eaten from any tree in the garden. Think of all the fruit that exists in the world. All that, all that was available to Adam and Eve. If, God, if Adam had taken God at his word, if Adam had believed God, then he would have lived in abundance and just avoided that one tree. Adam did not take God at his word. He he allowed the serpent, Adam and Eve allowed the serpent to cast doubt on God's word, on God's character, and they decided to act against God's word. Okay, so that, so, so when I'm saying this, this is, there's a backstory to this. To take God at his word. 
So Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And so God said, hey, here's what we're going to do. Abram, I need you to leave your father's house, leave your father's home, and I need you to go over here to this land I'm going to show you. And he did. And it wasn't just like, you know, going, you know, a two-mile drive. It was, he basically left home. He, he was gone. He, 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 he departed. And, 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 and his, his journey was, was miles and miles and miles, okay? And it's more than just leaving home. It's, it's you, you are now mine. You don't belong to your father's house. You don't belong to your father. You belong to me. And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. God said, I'm going to give you a child. And Abram says, I don't, we can't have children. I don't know how that works. But okay, God, if you say so. And then later in the story, God says, take your child, Isaac, your, your beloved child, and go offer him on this holy mountain. And Abraham said, okay, I'm, I'm going to take you at your word, God. <laughs> um, and so Abram, though he does not perfectly do this, and this is where it gets... It's not like Abram lived a righteous life. No, he, he sometimes did the wrong thing. But Abram took God at his word to trust what God says about himself. I will be your God, Abram. I will bless you, Abram. Uh, I'm going to make of you a great name and a great nation, Abram. I keep saying Abram and Abraham, same person. And so we have to trust what God says about himself. I will bow down, this is the psalm this morning, I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name because of your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name, that is your character and your word. And so David <clears throat> gives expression to this right here. Trust what God says about himself. I am a good God. <clears throat> the serpent wants to introduce doubt to that. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Is, is God kind of stingy? Is God kind of mean? Is God putting all these limits on you? No, he didn't say that. He said, but we can't eat from this one. Well, God knows that when you eat of that fruit, your eyes are going to be open. God's holding out on you. God's not a good God. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care for you. He's holding things back from you. That's what's going on in that temptation. It's the serpent who is, who is casting doubt on the character of God. <clears throat> God is not a bad God. God is good. <laughs> God is holy. God is right. God is righteous. God is loving. God is faithful. God is present. God knows. God knows what is best. God knows what's best for us. And so when things aren't working the way we want, we trust. We take God at his word. And his word says in the New Testament that he's working all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God, I don't know how this thing's going to work out, but I'm going to take you at your word, and so I'm going to live today believing that things are okay, even when I can't see it and it doesn't feel like it. I'm going to trust your word. So trust what God says. Take God at his word about himself. Trust what God says about us, about yourself that you are made in the image of God, that you are precious, that you are valuable, that he delights in you, but that there's something wrong, that you have participated in the rebellion, and that you're welcome back into the good relationship with God 
if you will rethink, regret, <laughs> renounce, and return. Okay? And so, so anyone is welcome back. All, uh, how does John 3.16 talk about? <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Well, the perishing goes back to the garden, right? Adam, you eat this fruit, you're going to die. But if we believe, then, then even though we perish, yet shall we live. That's the, I am the resurrection and life. Even though he dies, yet shall he live. And, and, so, and so we trust what God says about himself, about ourselves, that there's a blessedness and a brokenness in us. And so we, 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 don't, we, we just take God at his word. We, we trust about that sin is real and then it's serious and it needs to be repented of, that it's the problem, it's the enemy. And then we trust what God says about Jesus. That here is my beloved son. Listen to him, trust him, believe him. Let his death and his resurrection be the adequate atonement for your sin. Let, let, let Jesus, his righteousness, become your righteousness. Okay? And so... It's, it's not saying, well, until I can figure everything out here, God, I'm not going to trust you. <clears throat> Abraham didn't have it all figured out, but he, he believed God. He took God at his word, and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. And so that, is, that continues to be the way to get in on salvation, to get in on this relationship with God, is to take God at his word. It's that simple. <clears throat> it, is, it is that simple. And then... To live as if God's word is true. Well, that's kind of a funny way to say it. Are you saying God's word may not be true? No, no, no. Absolutely, God's word is true. So live as if God's word is true. Live as if God's word about himself is true. So when things are not going well, and somebody says, I don't know if God loves me, say, no, God loves you. <clears throat> God is love. Because God's word said it. And so you live this moment as if God's word about himself is true, about yourself is true, about sin is true, uh, the word about Jesus. And so you, you live your life in light of the truth of God's word. And so his word is true that says, forgive. Yeah, but I don't, I, that, you don't know what, God, you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I know what you've done to me. You know, that is, you know, so forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so the relationship, the vertical relationship with God is tied to our horizontal relationship with others. Oh, you don't want to forgive others? Well, okay, that's how you want to play the game? Then, okay, then I won't forgive you. Well, no, 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 I want in for, on forgiveness. Okay, then you forgive others. And so it's to live that way. <clears throat> and that's where the work comes. That's the being saved, have been saved, being saved, will be saved. The sanctifying work is right here. This is where the character transformation happens. We're, we're saved at the cross. And so I believe, I believe what God said about the, the cross of Jesus, that that's where my sin was, was nailed to the cross. And so I believe it. So I'm saved at the cross. Now I'm being saved. I'm, I'm you know, the, 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 the the, the life of the Christian is the life of trying to live each day as if God's word was true. Well, what if I don't do that perfectly? Okay, you won't. 
So just get up and try to do it again the next day. Keep doing it. Keep repenting. Keep believing. Keep repenting. Keep believing. Keep trusting God. Taking God at His word. And so the more of His word you understand, then the more you have an opportunity to take God at His word. And then we prove Him to be faithful. We prove Him to be right and good. And so that's, again, some of what this psalm is about. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. David could have easily said, God, where are you? You've abandoned me. You know, I give up on you. Nope. Your right hand, with your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And I love that. God, I don't know, I don't know my future. I know my ultimate future with you. But I don't know tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year. But I'm going to believe that you're a good God who is fulfilling his purpose for me. And that you're ordering my steps. That you're gently nudging me and guiding me. That you will provide for me. You've promised to provide for me. You've called me to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And that all these things that I need will be added. So I'm not going to be worrying about the future, worrying about money, worrying about life, I'm going to trust that you've carved me, as your, your word says, I'm carved in the palm of your hand, and I'm going to live calmly, peacefully, joyfully, in hope, I'm going to live towards others, that's the Christian life, that's, that's, that's what, that's to, to live a saved life then, is to live towards others, and then this comprehensive restoration. I'm going to live towards family members. I'm going to live towards co-workers. I'm going to live towards even enemies and strangers in ways that reflect that I'm a saved person. <laughs> that God's word is true. I'm going to take God at his word every day of my life as best I can. So, let's stop here. I hope this is helpful. It's that simple. If you've never gotten in on this or never heard this, then let me just invite you to repent and believe, and be saved. And if you have been, but you have friends and loved ones who've never been in on this, then, then maybe as you think this through and understand this, this is a conversation you can have with them at some point. Particularly, is just take God at his word. Okay, So let's, let's close with prayer. Father, we thank you for this week of studies, your holy word, which guides us into a deeper understanding of your salvation. And so afresh, we would commit ourselves to repentance and belief, to rethink and to regret oh, the ache of our lives when we know we have done wrong. Help us to renounce that and to return again and again and again and then to take you at your word, knowing that you take us back. You will never turn us away. <laughs> and so we thank you for the living word that you have presented to us through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his holy life, his Holy Spirit, his righteousness now given to us for our righteousness. And so we pray as we close out this week and prepare for worship tomorrow and a gathering tomorrow night, Lord, that you might cause your favor to rest upon us, our loved ones, particularly those who, who do not yet know you, to, to our understanding, do not yet know you. And so help us to be witnesses, faithful witnesses to your kingdom and your salvation. And so keep Greenwich, keep our sister churches, uh, keep 
those who are engaged in law enforcement, the medical communities particularly, keep our leaders at all levels, keep our leaders uh, in your care as we walk through, continue to walk through this very strange and difficult time. And so we thank you for Jesus who has saved us and offer these prayers in his name, even as he has taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who does love you and has shown that by sending Jesus and wants you to know him so deeply and passionately by sending his spirit, may that God bless you this day and keep you forevermore. Amen.